0: Welcome to Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church, we're family. Today's message is a continuation of the Prophetic Training series brought to you by Lane Reading. To find out more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. All right, good evening, everyone. Um, so, tonight... Um, We are going to do the second part of what I started last week, which is we're going to finish up on the gifts of Jesus. So this is the gifts of Jesus part two. Last week um, was more going through scripture and kind of giving the context of how these are brought up, what the context of these are brought up in. Remember, we're in this whole series or session two, which is about Hearing God or experiencing God as a communicator personally. Okay, so this is the theme. In other sessions later on, we'll go into, you know, different aspects and different detail. Again, this is by far not exhaustive, as I've said. The the point of this is really for us to... um, Begin conversations. Are you guys going to drive for me or am I driving? I'm driving. Okay, let's see if I have the keys. And can I find the keys? Maybe not there. Maybe that one. Uh, And I'm not finding the keys. Uh, we'll try that one again. Maybe. Give me a second, folks. I'm not finding the keys. Hello? Sorry, Dom. I've tried both. One says studio, one doesn't. Okay, studio would be good. Retry, retry, retry. What is it with me on my phone? Ooh, slam! As Steve would say, I'm not Apple-stalic. What can I say? All right, studio, you said. All right, let's try again. Um, and survey says, I'm still not seeing it, so I'll wait for Don to get back. Well, before we jump into the, the second part of the teaching, I have to do due diligence to try to make Christy smile in some of you. So I have a few more um, dad jokes. Here's my phone. So that's, um, all right, so. Um, To all the students out there, did you know you shouldn't drink water and study? Chemistry proves that concentration decreases with more water. Unless you live in Denver, then you need as much water as you can get. Okay. Okay. An older lady was talking to her doctor and said, you know how you told me I should avoid going up and down the stairs as much as possible? Yes, nodded the doctor. We agreed on that after the last x-rays. She looked at him and said, well, you know, it wasn't such a great recommendation. All the climbing up and down the gutter has been killing me. Okay, um what do you get when you pamper a cow? Spoiled milk. (laughs) Did Adam and Eve ever go on a date? Nope, they only had an apple. (laughs) Okay. I got a few lives. Um, all right, so Dom, any success? (laughs) More (laughs) choice. Okay, uh, we only have so much time, so let's let's jump into this. Um, What I want to do is just, you know, we're gonna we're gonna paint some pictures about the fivefold gifts, the gifts that Jesus has given us. Thank you. Okay. Um, So Jesus has given us some gifts. And remember, the whole point of this is about how does this help me experience God as a communicator? How does this help me hear him? How does this help me grow in who I'm meant to be? Because we read all of these gifts are given so we can grow up. So that we can become more mature. So let me, let me say a few things here. The foundations, okay? One, apostles and prophets today no longer write scripture. Okay, let's clear that up. Some people are like, "Oh, ah, there's prophets and apostles that write No. Not all the prophets in the Old Testament wrote scripture. Anybody read the book of Helga? No, she never wrote anything, but she was a prophet or prophetess. Not all the apostles wrote books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Unless I forgot how to count, there's only four, and there were 12. Maybe 14, but we'll get to that. Um, So, then the other thing is, well, there were only 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay. Okay. What do you do about the fact that when Judas betrayed Jesus, they threw lots and made Matthias a replacement? So some people go, well, he wasn't a real apostle. Well, the apostles must have thought so. But then some say, well, it was actually Paul because Paul saw Jesus. He was the real one God chose. So you either have 13 or 14 apostles of the Lamb. Jesus himself was an apostle. Now you've got 15. And it goes on. Now I'm being a little cheeky, but there are some distinctions between the covenants, and there are some differences. Okay? So in what I'm saying, I'm not saying that we have what the apostles of Christ were in some ways at all. And I think that's where some of the, the, the confusion comes comes in. Um, we think of extremes. Number three. Um, oh, I see, I see it up there. So whoever's running it, you're on the first slide and I'm at the end of the second slide. Okay, I'm just going to go on. Okay. So Um, In other words, Scripture is full of apostles and prophets in the New Testament outside of whatever. And I bring this up because their roles are very controversial in some ways. Um, I have a slide that says, Surgeon General Warning, because if I said to you, name a teacher, none of you would twitch and get awkward and kind of look at me like, oh no. I mean, teachers are teachers. If I said to you, name me a pastor. Even if I went to another country and made it contextual, I could say, name me your rabbi. Name me your whatever. People know that role. We're comfortable with it. If I said evangelist, even there people, I mean, do you twitch? If I say Oh, the evangelist so-and-so is coming to town. Do you see different groups of the church getting up in arms that were calling them an evangelist? No. I've yet to hear anybody get up in arms at Jimmy Swaggart or, um, well, let's not use him because that ended controversially. But um, all the well-known evangelists, you don't hear people getting up in arms about it. That you bring up the A word or the P word and either all heaven or all Hades breaks loose. Why? I think part of it is, one, ignorance on all of our part. Two, fear. I mean, as I said, we don't write scripture. And thank you. Um, where are we here? We're on Surgeon General Warning. Okay. So, why is it that we're comfortable with teachers, shepherds, or pastors and evangelists, but not prophets and apostles? I think it's partly ignorance and I think it's partly abuse. Are you telling me that evangelists have been as pure as snow and there's been no abuse? All of the teachers are perfect. They've never taught heresy. They've treated you perfectly your whole life, right? There's never been a pastor who's wounded you. They were perfect shepherds. Obviously not. So why do we have that standard for the apostles and prophets? I know what I do because they tend to be a little more powerful and a little more harmful. <laughs> and when they bite, they don't leave much behind, <laughs> literally. Now, I'm being a little cheeky, but hopefully you're getting my heart. Remember, the point of this is to start discussions. So, we need to demystify some of this, okay? And. I, I'm just talking about it so that we can get understanding. It says that God gives us these gifts to train us. Okay, Uh, let's move on here. Uh, Each one of us, and therefore each of these gifts, have a sphere of influence. Okay? Somebody can be called to be a teacher. Are they going to teach 10? Are they going to teach 30? Are they going to teach 5,000? Are they going to teach 5 million? That's a sphere of influence. If you're called to influence the body of Christ as a whole, you better go and get your PhD. And you better speak Hebrew and Greek. Greek. For breakfast, dinner, and lunch, and snacks in between. Serious. Otherwise, you're going to have absolutely no impact on most of the body of Christ. Now, so if God says, you're a teacher, you want to know what the context of that is. Because if it is... To be an N.T. Wright or a Michael Heiser or a, you have to go get a PhD, honey. <laughs> but not all teachers are called at that level. Some people, God says, you're a teacher and then they'll end up at colleges or universities or (gasps) schools. Oh no. This division we have between secular and sacred has to stop. So the Surgeon General warning is, I'm going to throw some things around. I'm not saying I'm accurate. In fact, in some areas I'm not sure. But I'm trying to start a conversation for us to think, why? How does it impact you? When guest speakers come in, some of them you go, peanut butter. Others you go, oh man. Now, if you're a teacher, it's like, oh my goodness, I need to study more. Not like as demonstrative as I'm being. When the shepherds come in, all the shepherdies go, oh, we need more relationship, we're going to get together. We've got to start more groups. The evangelists come in as I'm going to go to every bar in the county and in the city and in the state. Am I wrong? I mean, that's typically more evangelists. What intrigues you? What motivates you? So, when we're doing this, this isn't so we can get some dry list of this is an apostle, this is a prophet. And I'm not saying you are those. I'm saying something in you zings. And it's not just one. I don't know any one dimensional person. I don't. All of us are called to go, meaning to be obedient. When God says, do something, we do it. That's apostolic at some level. All of us are called to hear God. In fact, God says, I want you all to prophesy. Oh my goodness, now you've got to be prophetic. Then God says, you need to be able to share your testimony and witness. Now you're an evangelist. And you're supposed to be able to teach. You're a teacher and care for people. Sucks to be us, right? It's just like, well, really? Remember we went through that whole thing that God gives us a summons when we say, "Yes, Jesus, I love you whatever you want." He's writing the fine print under our signature. Now, here's the issue. Remember there are levels of maturity. In 1 John 2:13 through 12, it talks about young children and adults and I want to just talk about at a level here is that as We grow We have the infant level which is the milk level we have the child level which is the bread Okay, and then we have the adult level which is the meat so you have knowledge you then have understanding and you have wisdom so depending on the maturity depends on how the gift expresses itself. And we're never, you know, it's like, oh, well, now I'm a child and now I'm an adult. As I've said, we have layers and levels. Okay. These are controversial, I think, mostly because we just don't understand and they've gotten mythical you know, whatever around them, like, ooh, if that's an apostle, then somehow we have to bow down, kiss the ring, and they're never wrong. Or if that's a prophet, and no. Do you know that the business world, the political world, and the military world are much better at understanding apostles and prophets than the churches? I... friend of mine sent me a book on the military about prophets in the military that's not the way we would understand prophets but it's people who understand warfare at a whole different level every now and then they have people who come up in their ranks who have to do simulations of warfare who absolutely do not follow the rules and everybody gets mad because they win it's so only the apostles who understand we better pay attention to this, because if we don't, somebody's gonna do this and destroy us at warfare. Oh! But we're comfortable with people being teachers in the world. Okay, let's move on. So that's kind of the prelude. So A lot of what I'm going to talk on here, um, I get out of Alan Hirsch's book called 5Q, and um, he says, reactivating the original intelligence and capacity of the body of Christ. And I owe a lot of this um, to um, Beth Larkin, who preached here at our church. Um, Some of you may not know, but I have a group of people I'm accountable to, and a subset of them, are actually helping me write some of this curriculum. Because it's not just about me or for me. It's about us growing up and getting a common language and building a community that can support each other and be accountable to each other. So this is some of his stuff. Because if we only read the books we agree with, we'll never grow up. If everything we believe is accurate, then why doesn't everybody believe the way we do? Because maybe everything we do done have the old picture, and maybe we need to, okay? So there is a whole lot of stuff going on. So let's just move on. The word apostle comes from the Greek word apostatelion, which means sent forth. Apostles reflect the missio deo, the heart of God for the whole world. And the mission to reach all people. Apostle means to be sent forth, to go, in its most rudimentary portion. And I kind of ran through all five of the gifts and how God asks us to be involved in some of that as we go along. The purpose of apostolic ministry is, among other things, to extend Christianity, maintain movement, maintain focus design scalable organizations. Yongi Cho is a church of 750,000 people. They have seven off-ramps off the freeway to their church. Seven. Do you think he could do that if he didn't know how to scale an organization? Could you imagine having 750,000 employees? I, uh, This is the part of Christianity. I want peanut butter. Here I am, God, send her. (laughs) (laughs) Who is... I wonder if somebody's texting me because of something. Oh, nope. I'll just mute my phone. Um, Maintain compliance around core DNA or the culture. In other words... They are looking for people who can... Paul said, I taught you these things. Model what I've shown you. Okay? A paradigm and a vision. What else do they do? Okay? Um, Where am I? I didn't move forward. Sorry for those watching. They plant the gospel. What do I mean by that? They go into new areas and break into areas. I mean, just think of it. If you, if you had to find, like they did, a tribe of Eskimos and say, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Not only have they never seen grass, but what is a lamb? So guess what they did? Jesus is the seal of God. Oh, that's blasphemy. You've changed the word of God and are going to go to hell. I've heard people say that. Strange, some of those Eskimos got saved and have an amazing relationship with God and had revival. It takes thinking differently at times. They didn't change the concept at all. I mean, come on, I, I didn't grow up on a farm, half of the analogies I've had to go and go, what on earth are they talking about? How much more? They cultivate entrepreneurship. Why do you think there's a large portion of society that's boarding church? Because there's no apostles. Because part of them is apostolic. (gasps) Wow, we don't use that word, entrepreneur. Now, I'm not saying all entrepreneurs are apostles. They could be prophetic. I'm not sure if Elon Musk is an apostle or a prophet at the moment. We'll see. Most prophets, at a certain point, burn out and have to have an apostle come in to take over. But they start things. Evangelists can do the same. They tend to burn out a lot quicker. Because it takes a different gift set. It takes something else. It doesn't make anyone bad, but together we can build something amazing. The apostle can't do everything. I don't care if you're good at 50 things. You can only do one thing at a time. And sometimes you have to do 60 things at once. So, this whole thing about metron, your sphere of influence, it depends what sphere has God given you. I think a lot of people's spheres are smaller than they should be because we haven't learned how to be faithful with the little. And build infrastructure. God says, if you're faithful with little, I'll give you more. Okay. And they mobilize. They cultivate diversity. They maintain movement, unity-wide. They mobilize. And then, last but not least, all five-fold gifts will function in some of these areas. Okay? Not, it's not just apostles do this. Of course all of the gifts have to do some of this, but those with apostolic or who are apostolic will function in many of these, and it will bring them life. And last but not least, no one will perfectly reflect this. This is a guide. This isn't a check, 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 check. Oh, yes, you're an apostle. Checked up. Oh, missed one. You're not checked. Lazar. Again, it's for conversation. Okay, so let's move on. The next thing about the apostles they may be missionaries, sent ones. They may break new ground, start new ministries locally, internationally, whatever. They may also start new businesses, new business models. <gasps> Can look entrepreneurial. <gasps> So if God is saying, you're one of the giftings, you've got to understand context. I know some people that God is called to be in the church, but because they were hurt, they refused to. I know some people who are in the church who are dying because they don't think they can serve God in the world. Like, we all buy electricity from Christian people. We all buy our groceries from Christian store. <laughs> what is this? Okay. Um, all right, now the nasty part. Examples of people in history and now, in and outside the church You might be apostolic. Steve Jobs. <gasps> but he's not Christian. Hopefully I buried that one. Catherine Booth. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. St. Juan, and I can never say this, Unipero Sierra. Thomas Edison. Let's just stop there. Thomas Edison. We just know he created the light bulb, right? Do you know that he had to create the entire electrical grid and industry? He didn't just create a light bulb? Heidi Baker, Jack Hayford, Mark Zuckerberg, Henry Ford. He created a whole industry. But Henry Ford, we want you to shut up, come sit in the pews and be a good little pew person. Really, you're going to go and tell, I don't know, the Apostle Paul, shut up and sit in the pew. Why would we do that to anyone? Now, don't misunderstand me. But we have to grow up. That doesn't make apostles more important than anyone. True apostolic. You know how you know when you're around somebody who's apostolic? is they know how to facilitate your gifting better than you do. They make space for you. Do you know how you know when you're around somebody who's prophetic? You hear God clearer, and you learn how to hear him, and you didn't know you were hearing him as much. Do you know how you know when you're around somebody who's a teacher? Do you you get that? But we're with apostles. Jack Hayford, Mark Zuckerberg, Henry Ford. Now, in some ways, well, let's move on. I'm going to jump ahead. Now, is this, and this is all. There's no more. Okay. Apostles tend, and, and prophets, tend to do things that haven't been done before. They're not the only ones. Evangelists, pastors, teachers can do it as well. But as a whole, That's what they tend to do. Okay, let's move on to the role of prophets. The word prophet, well, let me stop here. Some of you may be thinking, well, Lane's only doing this because he thinks he's a prophet and he's trying to make room for himself. And that's a legitimate question. I don't mind people asking me blunt questions. If you know me, then you know that's not the case. Personally, I struggle with titles. Always have. I don't consider myself a prophet, and I'll probably get the usual people that love me get on to me about it. Now, I would be lying to say that to some and to some movements, I, I, I have been a prophet, and I probably still am. But it's not who I am as a person. Just as whatever we do for a job, it, it doesn't, that doesn't make who you are. Now, we can go through this. I struggle with it, I think, because it has so many connotations. And just because I may be a prophet to some people in some groups and some, I'm not to Everyone neither are Paul said I'm not an apostle there's these other apostles he hey this isn't a competition thing this isn't about me I'm asking you to evaluate where you're at and what you're doing I don't care if you don't I don't care if you think I'm a horrendous teacher I mean the teachers out there must be going oh Lord just stick to the point when there's A B just you know your rabbit trails have rabbit trails but do you hear my heart in this? This isn't, this isn't about me now saying these people are apostles and we need to... No. This is about who impacts your life and what do they do. And how do we grow? Because when we realize more of who we are, we can lean into God. Just as in the the, the gifts. I mean, as, as we're, you know, when you feel nudges or, you know, at times people have ministered going, you know what, I walked in and I was fine and then my legs started hurting. And then we were told to pray for people and the person I prayed for, their leg was hurting, right where mine was hurting. Was that God? And when we prayed, their pain went away and oh, mine okay. went away. Oh, <gasps> I'm wearing God. Now, Isn't that how it happens? That's how we start learning. And so then we go the next time, you know, well, I've got a headache and my back aches. Is this God? And and then we start feeling everything and then we have to calm down and, and then it happens again. And then God moves and we learn how to, it's the same with this. Not every prophetic person out there is helpful to me. That doesn't make them bad and me right and them. No, we have different spheres and different things we're called to do. I mean, how many of you would have wanted to have Ezekiel as your next door neighbor? Close the curtains, honey. It's that season. You know, don't look now. (laughs) Well, come on, somebody had to live next to him. So what this is about is I'm challenging you to go, God, what's the primary area? All of us are called to do all of it, but what's the theme through your life that resounds? For me, it is the prophetic. Yes, I can teach. Yes, I can build things and do things, but who I am And you may not know, and that's okay. I mean, you didn't pop out going, "Oh, there I'm!" and no, you came out screaming. It's 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 the journey, and there are seasons and things to go through. So let's get back to you, okay. The word prophet comes from the, the Greek word prophetess, which means spokesman. Now, I, I said a lot of the stuff we're getting is from this one guy's book. But one of the things is that there's also seer. And some of you have heard me teach on that. So when I use the word prophet, I mean those who see and those who hear. And th- there's a spectrum in between. Um, In pop culture, we have this picture of prophets as people who tell the future, and often there is a negative bend to the idea, the prophet of doom, gloom, and condemnation. As I've been addressing as much as I can. Telling somebody their sin isn't news. Now, don't misunderstand me, but getting people to believe what God says about them, now that's news, that's Really, God thinks that about me? you got to be kidding. Like, really? The God of the... mighty God thinks that he wants to hang out with me. I don't even want to hang out with me. That's crazy talk. Okay. As we look at the role and function of prophets in the Bible, we see the biblical prophet was a mediator or a bridge. They stood between God and the people. They feel what God feels and communicate that to the people. And they in turn stand as one of the people are... Sorry, as one of the people are pled by... Okay, I must have copied that wrong. And they in turn stand as one of the people are pled by God on behalf... are pled with God on behalf... And plead, it should say plead. In other words... There's the part of when you hear God and God says, speak to the people. There's the part when we hear what's going on with people and we go to God. That is one of the primary roles of the prophetic. Does that mean that only the prophetic have to pray? No. That'd be crazy talk. Not everybody who's called to intercede is prophetic. But any prophetic person who doesn't intercede and know how to intercede is beyond dangerous. There are multiple functions here. Okay, uh, let's just move on. In other words, we're never going to get this done. How much more isn't it true of those called to be prophets today because of the good news of Christ? Meaning, we're not about doom and gloom. Yes, at times there is judgment, but never condemnation. Judgment begins in the house of God. In other words, hey, this isn't going so good. We need to clean it up. That's what a loving father does. Okay. Prophets. The last second's a lot. Well, we got one more. The words. Um, I went backwards. Sorry. Nope. There we go. Um, the word uh, what's going on here okay sorry I'm moving us forward on the slides for some reason I was out of sync again Um, Alan Hirsch describes prophets in two ways he uses the word vertical prophetic ministry which is among other things maintain a God orientation and God encounter Okay? And then there's also the horizontal prophetic ministry, which is to highlight the covenant obligations, serve as a reminder of covenant love, call to repentance, speak truth to power, maintain sensitivity to spiritual warfare, distinguish true and false worship, champion justice, call to holiness, communicate urgency, and develop learning through questioning. the whole social movement is actually prophetic. It may be run by apostles. So the people who feel called to social justice, it's part of who we are. God says, I hate your fasting. Why? Because you're not spiritual enough? No, because you're not taking care of the poor. There is an element of that. That prophets are called to to make us aware of. Okay, let's move on. Um, No one person is going to function in all of these. Okay? Um, Last but not least, people who function with a prophetic anointing may seem out of step with everyone else. What they're feeling, what God is wanting to do and living sometimes months or years ahead of people around them. I remember in 2000, the peak of the American economy, we had moved to LA in 1999 and I could not get a job, literally. I applied everywhere and nobody would hire me except one company, it was to, um, it was where you pick money up from ATM machines and the motto was that everybody get home alive. It's the only time my wife has said to me, if you take this job, I will divorce you. She said, I know the calling on your life and I will not be a widow at my age. Okay, I will take this job. Serious. Not that that job wasn't good or whatever. My wife just went, oh, we're not doing this one. Now, why do I say that? Because I was... Desperate and crying out to God. And my friend, Ed and Barbara, I used to sit on their porch and just cry and cry because at one point God said to me, what I'm putting you through now, I'm going to put the whole world through. And when I do, I'll bless you. What do you do with that? Because if you pray that yours ends, you know it's about to begin for the whole world. And you're going, well, I'm crazy. I'm wrong. This can't be true. And then he would speak to me again, and then I just cry. God, don't do this to me! Don't bless me again. And then he began speaking to me, and he showed me the stock market at the time. I think was just above ten thousand. He showed me would get above twelve, then it would go to eleven, then it would go to ten, then it would go to nine, then I saw it dip below eight. And he said, "When that happens, you must invest." I don't have any money, God. I don't even have a job. And he said, you will invest as a prophetic statement and so that I can bless you. And he said, do not buy into the fear and the panic. And he said, this and some other things I don't want to get into at this level. I remember going to a friend who ran a multi-billion dollar portfolio in the stock market, and I said, So, I think it was getting up towards 11. I said, What would happen if the stock market got to 12? He goes, Well, eventually it's going to get there. And I said, How long do you think it's going to take? And he said, Ah, and I heard God say, It'll be at 12 within a year. It was the beginning of, I think it was what, 2007. Long story short, I said to him, so it gets to 12 and it drops to 11. Yeah, drops to 10. He goes, oh, that would be pretty severe. I said, what would happen if it dropped down to 9? He goes, that will never happen. It's impossible. He said, that would be a global catastrophe and they won't let it happen. I didn't tell him I saw it go below 8. What happened? It went below 8. I had a few thousand dollars at the time because I did have a job and I was employed through the whole time and I cried my eyes out because I remember what my father had told me. And I also remembered he said, don't buy into the fear, things are going to get better, it's going to move on. And I invested our money And two years later we had made enough money that we could buy a house he blessed us why do I say that because we are in some ways in a similar situation I'm asking you to hear God what is he saying to you now as I've said there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there and even if all of them are true None of them help you to obey what God is asking you to do now. Hear Him and obey Him. For me, I felt so out of season, so out of touch. Some of you feel that way. And it's learning your season. It's learning your timing. When God speaks and when it happens. And learning how to manage yourself. You cannot encounter the heart of God. Whether you're prophetic or not. And not be changed. That experience helped me grow in my faith. And you know. So that as God. When God said, go and break the drought, it was like, God, Lane, no confusion here. (laughs) You go break the drought. (laughs) And he said to me, this one must be public. (gasps) Lane, God, no confusion. We're not doing this. (laughs) Here I am. Send somebody else. I don't want everything that goes with that. It gets real, guys. Jesus told his disciples things, and it says, when he had died later, they went, now we believe. <laughs> Hasn't God convinced you of a few things? There is a lot of timing that's going on now. I call them like It's like convergence times. It's like all these disparate things in our lives and suddenly things start coming together. And it's like, oh my goodness. I want to encourage you to hear him and listen. And if you've never stepped out, take small steps, just like Abraham did. Okay. Um, They can look like social or ecclesiastical revolutionaries. Examples in history. St. Francis of Assisi. Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Martin Luther King, Jr. John Paul Jackson, Bob Jones, Bob Dylan. Bono. Eleanor Roosevelt. Greta Thunberg. You decide. All right, evangelists. Um, the word evangelist from the Greek, which means bringer of good tidings. In my experience, it's interesting. If you haven't heard, you know, I I was exposed in the late 80s to Bob Jones. He gave me a visual that has really helped me. The hand as the fivefold. The apostle tends to be the thumb because it can touch every one of the gifts and it brings tension. (laughs) Sucks to be apostles, they bring tension without tension you can't move I mean walking is tension we just get used to it there's a difference between iron sharpening iron and iron grinding against each other and destroying itself that and we'll get to that in later sessions but then you have the pointy finger guess which one is that that's the profit then the longest finger which I won't separate out The longest finger (laughs) is the evangelist because of the reach. The ring finger is the shepherd. And the teacher is the little pinky because it can get in your ear. (laughs) I mean, you don't want to put your thumb in there, do you? I have been intrigued over the years to watch when God moves in people who don't know any of this. And when the Spirit of God hits them, Watch their hands and which fingers vibrate. Those who have very, very strong um, Ephesians 4 callings on them, one of their fingers will vibrate or lock. I remember praying for this lady, (laughs) and her thumb literally got locked. She was moving. I can't move my thumb. What's wrong with me? And she was all, I'm like, you know what's what's this going on? And to her defense, she'd never experienced God moving on her like that. And I just said, you know, I I had some insight prophetically into her life, and just said, da-da-da-da-da-da, and she goes, yes, I got. So, do you bring a lot of tension? Uh-huh. I go, that's why your thumbs locked. <laughs> We learn through our senses. Now, it doesn't always mean that if somebody's thumb is vibrating or their, you know, whatever finger. But just watch. You know, I don't want everybody staring at people's hands now. It's not to be bizarre, but sometimes it will be noticeable. And it's just a helpful tool. It doesn't mean that they're called into the church. It may be in business. Sometimes if, if a finger is vibrating a lot, it may be that they're calling who they are something else, but God is wanting to start building something else in it. Somebody who's been an evangelist, God may say, okay, their teaching finger may start. We never know, so let's be open, but as weird and as bizarre as I am, let me just throw that out, and we go, okay, we just went down the rabbit hole. I want the blue pill. The joy, so evangelists, the joy of encountering God seeps into every conversation that evangelists have. Sometimes they annoy me. It's like, really? Pollyanna has nothing on you, honey. It's like, they never, have you been around evangelists? They're contagious. You don't want to be around them if you're having a good depression. Because you just, you can't. Okay. Among other things, the evangelistic ministry communicates, elicits a response, creates an invitational culture. They sneeze the movement's message. They develop sticky messages or those tunes, you know, from commercials that you can't get out of your head. They present the value proposition. They create branding, values the individual, demonstrates catalytic witness, and recruits to the cause or business. Let's move on. When someone is called as an evangelist, they will lead people to Jesus. When they're an Ephesians 4 evangelist, they empower other people to lead people to Jesus. Well, isn't that what Ephesians 4 ministers are? To teach us how to do the work? Be primarily focused outside of the church. Those pagans, they never want to come to church. Well, that could be an issue. But maybe that's not the whole issue. Looks like everybody's best friend. They create global branding. Examples of people in history, Billy Graham, Greg Laurie, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Malcolm Gladwell, maybe Oprah, Lady Gaga, Lauren Deagle, Steve Ballmer, and Tony Robbins. Do you know that Steve Ballmer was Bill Gates' right-hand man? He called himself a Microsoft evangelist. Literally was his title. He didn't call himself the marketing CIO director of the fastest growing company in the history of the world at the time. No, he was a Microsoft evangelist. And he ain't a Christian. (gasps) He understood the word better than we did. Did you know that they actually study Paul and what he did? Because everybody acknowledges that he turned the world upside down and are fascinated by how he could have done that. That's what an evangelist does, that's who they are. The apostolic tend to focus on the practical the prophetic get accused of being out of touch or you know the evangelists are often accused of being an inch you know an inch deep and 50 miles wide they know everyone those are some of the negative stereotypes but you know god wants an apostolic team how do we work together Pastors and evangelists typically hate each other. Stop bringing me the unsaved. I can't deal with the ones I have already. The apostolic and the, evangel- and the, the prophetic, and sometimes the evangelistic, it's, if, it, if it happens now, it's too late. It should have happened yesterday. And the teacher and the pastor will go, okay, has my 10 year plan for sanctification and holiness and how we can get. Yesterday, what are you out of your mind? And it can create tension. It's not either or, it's both and. and it's walking in that tension and that dynamic. Okay, let's move on. Shepherds. And I've got to hold myself accountable here. We're out of time. We'll have to finish this off. At some point, we're going to end the gifts. I wanted to talk more about the apostolic and prophetic because it is so controversial. But I want to demystify it. I read an article that said, a third of all inventions come from dreams. I know several multi, multi, multi-millionaires in research and development who are training themselves to do lucid dreaming. Which is not part of what I'm doing here. but. Why? Because that's when your mind can be the most creative and it can problem solve. Because you can hold opposing ideas together. Who would have ever thought of taking fuel and putting it in a car and putting a family in it? It would blow up. It would kill people. It's not safe. I love what, what was it Neil Armstrong said, what, was your, what were you thinking when you were just about to blast off? And he goes, that every part of this rocket went to the cheapest bidder. <laughs> Apostolic and prophetic times would think of something that crazy. Let's put a huge bomb underneath you and shoot you into space. I'm exaggerating a bit, but you hear my heart? But without the other side of going, really, how are they going to survive up there? We really do care for people, and we want them to come back. They'll just go. You've got to have it working together. I want to ask you, As we close who are some of the people who have annoyed you the most because that's probably not your gifting and that'll help you I have learned especially in business to find those people and bring them close I start off by getting to know them because they irritate me honest But I know if I don't get their opinion and influence in my life, I will not be as successful. And we won't produce the best product. And I've worked in medical IT, and so literally people's lives depend on what we do. So I take it seriously. So who are some of the people who have annoyed you? Not just, I've asked you, who are the ones that you go, I want to listen to them more and more and more. But who are some of the ones you go, I'm never going to listen to... I'm not saying to become that person. I'm saying part of becoming a leader and growing up is knowing who you're not. And for a while, the whole leadership thing was, put all your time and energy on what you're bad on. No! Yes, we have to work on something. Put all your time and energy on what you're good at. And draw around you or in your sphere what you really want somebody else to do (laughs) if you're a details person you need somebody who can see the forest if you're a forest person you need somebody who can see the trees one example if you can see both oh God help you and I know a few because you think you can do everything and you can But you can't do 12 things at once. And then you wonder why you're burning out. And you're tired. And you can't hear God. And nobody loves you. And I'm only somewhat joking. This is why we need team. This is why... It's important. This is why the enemy has fought this over and over and over. And do you know what the foundation of the church is? It's the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists are the foundation of the church. With Christ as the cornerstone, right? No. It says, the apostle and prophet with Christ as the cornerstone are the foundation of the church. Now, Obviously, it's not just. That's a two-sided. <laughs> okay, hear my heart. What I'm saying is part of the reason we haven't seen unity and growth and maturity is because we haven't seen mature people in positions that they need to be. And I'm not just talking about apostles and prophets. I'm talking about teachers. Teachers. Some of you know my passion for what Michael Heiser is doing because of what God spoke to me. I'm um, starting in 19, I mean, in 2014, October of 2014. In he I've said to you, the Catholic, all of the churches listen to him. He has that much respect and credibility. Is everything you say accurate? No. But it's so powerful and so new that everybody wants to hear and listen. And it's drawing the body of Christ together. That is an apostolic teacher. An Ephesians 4 teacher, because you can see it by the fruit of the gifting. Is unity all of us need to pay attention to that there isn't a gift in the body of Christ of called, you know critic serious let's stop that and stop putting our focus and attention on building it's easy to tear down it is so much harder but more fulfilling to build The reason people build around what they're against is because it's so much easier than building around what we're for. So, what are you for? Who are the ones that irritate you? And then try to understand that a little more and ask God for a new perspective because they're in the church. Like I said, I hope we live in different neighborhoods in heaven. (laughs) Hopefully you hear my heart and we'll continue this because this hits us in our relationship in who we are. Otherwise we're not leaning into God. And when he speaks we don't understand because we're not coming from the same reference or framework. And, and I'll say we will completely understand he's God but it, it, it will move us forward and we won't give time and attention to things that aren't unity in pulling us together and helping us grow up and see bigger pictures. Yes, we have to have boundaries. But not to the point that we're divisive. (sighs) Okay. Okay. Let's pray. Dad, I, I thank you for the way you have designed things. You are Lord of your church, us. And in some ways, Dad, we, we don't even understand the milk of your word in this. So many have experienced the negative side of this. You do. But you have said... In the 2020s, God, and moving from 2020 forward in the 20s, that you're calling for apostolic exploits, which means massive social unrest, because they said of the apostolic in former days, God, those that turned the world upside down have come here. And I thank you that we're entering into this, which means all of the gifts are coming alive. Not just these, and not just the ones in Corinthians, but God, your administrators, and all the others we're going to look at. That who we are, there is a place for us, God. In your plan, in your destiny, your vision, And so I ask for hopelessness and helplessness, God, to be broken off us. That we can hear you more clearly. Have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand. And who we are, God would vibrate with you with life. That those around us, God, would feel your presence on us, your weight. In Jesus' name, let your word change us. Let who you are change us. And let us become one as you are one. That the world will know that you are who you say you are, God. So I just ask for all the apostles and all the prophets and all the evangelists and all the pastors and all the teachers, God, in Catch the Fire Boulder to be set ablaze in your power and your love, and for all those watching, God, for this region. And God, for all of the other places that all of us represent, God, California and Washington and Texas, and God, all these other states, God, that you are moving. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you would like to find out more about who we are, you can find that at ctfboulder.com. If you haven't already, please make sure to follow us on all of our other social media platforms. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Spotify. We post different content on each platform, and we want you guys to stay as updated as possible. We have so much love for you guys. God bless.